you know, human contact is a need, and uh, it's a it's a really emotionally rooted and psychologically rooted one. It's uh, it's very tempting to focus on the parts of ourselves that are easiest to develop, and we we don't like to put ourselves into challenging or uncomfortable situations. But those are the very situations that create growth. And that is what is coming up on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. So stay tuned. Now, here are two powerful words to change your life. What if? What if you do have what it takes? What if you can design your life? What if your crazy dreams do come true? You are here because you have a dream. You have a fire in your belly. You want to change the world. and you want to lead the charge in the post socially distant era the big question is this how can ambitious people like us build our dream lives this podcast gives you the answers we have created the perfect community of the world's best minds who want to get things done survive and thrive in this uncertain world join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dream Show. I'm your host Manoj Agarwal and today we'll be having a very interesting conversation with Anshar Serfam. Anshar has been uh, has one of the most interesting backstories when it comes to his journey as a negotiation trainer. He has worked in the legal sex work industry training sex workers on how to apply psychological principles to their negotiations for full service sex work. His negotiation training was responsible for increasing the gross sales of top booking legal sex workers in the United States by over 300%. A success so significant that he was invited to do to train all three properties and sales training for the girls at Bunny Ranch, Kit Kat Ranch and Sagebrush Ranch. Mm-hmm. During the time there one of the girls did a business of 1.5 1.15 million dollars after his training and that's how he was made responsible for training everyone at different branches as well. He has trained sales associates and managers in bridal and engagement ring sales for Kjewellers and Jared the Galleria of Jewelry and has over 20 years of experience in various industries. He was invited by his district manager to train all 13 stores in his immediate region resulting in the training of over 100 people in his state. The beginning of Anshar's journey is very intriguing. It started when join uh, when he joined US Navy training for his um, cryptography program. where he found out that he uh, had he was undiagnosed uh, he was diagnosed with autism that should have been disqualified that okay sorry about that that should have disqualified him for service um, after already becoming a sailor uh, with heavy heart he left his military career he went into information technology worked at his local college developing his communication skills and working one on one with students He tutored every subject from calculus to electrical engineering to astronomy to organic chemistry, and used his systems knowledge not only to help those in academia but also work on his personal development in his weakest area dealing with people. Anshar uh, now has customized negotiation training as a consultant, and he also participates in public speaking events. Wow, Anshar, you have accomplished so much. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much, Manush. All right so I know you have a very interesting uh, back story starting from your childhood so can you take us a little bit uh, back into uh, your past and tell us how 
this whole thing came about? Well, sure. Um, I actually grew up in a house uh, full of music teachers. Both my my mother and my grandmother are both music teachers. My uh, my grandmother's crazy. She plays like 23 instruments. My mom teaches and plays like 13. I'm the dumb one. I play five. Um, so I, I had like 40 families a week coming into the house and uh, kids taking music lessons. And it was a really strange experience for me because uh, I was really, really socially awkward growing up. Um, you know, I didn't, um, I, I came from that generation before we started diagnosing kids with all kinds of stuff and trying to give them medication and all of that. So um, I, I didn't get any special education or anything for it. You know, I just knew I had a lot of difficulty getting along with the other kids. Um, you know, my mom had to pull me out of a couple of different schools, you know, had to deal with bullying. Um, I had a really poor, poor work ethic and uh, I had a lot of difficulty like getting up, you know, being on time for things. Um, There's just a lot of stuff going on with me. And, uh, you know, until I, I, like you had mentioned before, where I went into uh, the military, I, I didn't really have a sense that maybe there might have been, you know, a, a medical condition or something going on with me that that may have been contributing to, you know, all this different stuff that was going on. You know, because by the time I went into the military, you know, I was almost 20. <clears throat> Um, I hadn't even gotten my driver's license yet. It was very overwhelming for me, you know, to be on the road. Uh, I would get into social interactions with, uh, you know, more than one person at a time, and I would start to just get increasing amounts of anxiety. Um, it was very difficult for me. And so when I finally got that diagnosis, um, you know, I had to take a, a big step back and kind of realize, wow, okay, here's something that's, you know, so extreme that, you know, they're generally con uh, genuinely concerned about whether or not I'd be able to function in that environment. And, uh, you know, it was humbling, really, you know, because you, you go into something with confidence and think that you're going to be good at it and then realize that you might have an issue that you weren't even aware of that's been, you know, maybe affecting you your whole life. So uh, it, it was a good moment for me, but it was it was a big setback. You know, I, I had invested that idea in, uh, in being in the military at that point. Awesome. And so how did you go from that uh, state of mind to becoming a successful um, sales trainer and sort of interacting with so many people, training them in groups individually and whatnot? Well, um, I started my foray into uh, information technology, which I, I know is a powerhouse for you. But, uh, you know, I, I started working in um, first on the back end, you know, helping with uh, with technology and system building and setting up networks and uh, eventually, you know, when I went to uh, to go live in Mississippi for a while, you know, I tried to get an IT job down there and it just wasn't happening. You know, most of the economy down there is based off of uh, the casinos and the resorts and stuff. So for a while, I ended up working, you know, fixing arcade boards and like the uh, the arcade machines at the Beau Rivage and eventually ended up getting a, a sales position at uh, Circuit City. This is back before it's changed hands a couple of times and had its economic failures. Uh, so that was a really different experience for me, you know, having to, to go into a sales environment, um, trying to, you know, relate to people, you know, you have a lot of people in the, uh, in the South in Mississippi, their, their technology needs are very kind of varied, you know, everything from a person trying to, you know, put something on their houseboat so they can surf the internet and maybe write a music CD mm -hmm. to a person who's actually trying to like set up a, you know, a server, you know, a rack or something like that. It's, uh, and you had to be able to connect to a lot of different kinds of people. And, uh, you know, I had to work on a lot of my difficulties. It was kind of like a like a forging ground for me because I, I had all of these chain social interactions over and over and over again. And I, I started to realize, you know, one of the things that, that people realize when they start doing sales, that every once in a while, you'll get someone who has a, a compatible personality type or a, a compatible vision or a way of expressing themselves. And you'll hit it off really well. And you'll just, you'll sell them the moon, 
you know, you sell them everything. Mm -hmm. And then when you're done, you know, you're celebrating that success. And then you, you pinch yourself and you say, why can't all the sales be like that? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, answering that question, you know, was part of that journey. And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, where I went with everything is what, what's that missing element that makes it so easy when, when those things line up and the stars align and you're able to connect with someone and just easily sell them everything that they need mm -hmm. um, versus when it's not there and you don't connect and, you know, you have that standoffish energy and there's no way that you can seem to get over it. And working on that in that environment and constantly being tested by it is what allowed me to work on those social skills. And it helped me immensely in my personal life as well. That's great. And so, uh, you know, now I have to uh, bring up the topic now going from Circus City and selling electronics to uh, training sex workers. How does yeah. that involve? Okay, well, so that's kind of more toward the end of my journey there. And, um, you know, what ended up happening is, uh, you know, back my home base where I, where I used to live, where I grew up was up in the Sierra Nevadas, mm -hmm. which is uh, not that far from the Nevada borderline. You know, you get all the casinos and the brothels and the, and all of that. And um, it was uh, basically mutual friends that had been <clears throat> in the industry. And I started doing sales training for them individually. And um, once I did all of the training for them individually and their numbers skyrocketed, um, I got, ended up getting approached by Madame Suzette, um, who was interested in me, you know, sitting down with all of the ladies and uh, and helping them with things like, you know, being able to build rapport with their customers, uh, understanding, you know, the emotional dynamics of, of the different reasons that people visit um, and helping them set up business plans, you know, and, and it's a very high turnover environment. Sometimes the ladies are there for, you know, only a couple of weeks. Sometimes, you know, they'll even live on the property. So, um, and those ladies come from all different walks of life. I mean, everything from, you know, what one lady there was actually working on her PhD in gender studies, and she decided to do a tour at the ranch so that she could explore that side of, of that dynamic for an academic reason. Mm -hmm. uh, all the way to, you know, there was another lady who there who had a master's degree in um, uh, human development. Um, and then you have, you know, the, the flip side of it, you have 19 and 20 year old girls who are going there to make some money for college or stuff like that. So you have all these different experience levels and, um, you know, you had to be able to tailor a uh, an educational environment that's be able to reach all of those people, and that was a big challenge. And it was a it was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot of things about the sex industry that I didn't know before. And uh, you know, growing up as an awkward kid uh, up in the mountains, you know, I had a lot of trouble socializing, especially with girls. So all of a sudden, being in this environment, it definitely got me over the last of my fear in that department. Okay, so I just want to clarify for anybody listening or watching, this is a. Uh... One of the only like it's a legal, uh, a legal uh, profession in in the state of Nevada. So mm -hmm. I want to clarify that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, run as a biz, as a legit business. Uh, but uh, let, let me uh, go a little bit deeper here. Um, so obviously, I I don't think there is a, there is a sales manual for um, you know uh, for sex workers uh, where you could actually just learn. Okay, you know this is how this trade works. So how did you? get into that I mean, even with your uh, with your personal challenges at that point like how did you figure out how to build rapport how to actually you know um you know i'm surprised there there are business plans involved in this so uh, can you tell us about your process? How did you figure this out? Sure, sure. Um, one of the cool things about having Asperger's is that you build knowledge systems. Um, if you if you have you're kind of on the low on the sociability scale, you'll have like weird interests that you're super into. You know, that's that's that person with Asperger's you might get approached to, and they have a one-sided conversation with you about Pokemon for three hours. But um, depending on how where you are on the scale. 
um, you have the ability to build systems of knowledge. And, and when I was doing that in college with, um, with neurobiology and psychology, and you know, it, it's amazing how much of that translates over to human interaction and sales. And then my work experience for about seven years before that was working with Kay and Jared selling engagement rings and then also managing my own unit. And uh, believe it or not, those two industries have a much closer mesh together um, from an emotional, you know, selling perspective, because you know, when a person walks into the jewelry store, you know, they're basically looking to involve you in something very private in their lives. You know, the, the idea of, you know, an engagement ring or, you know, something, a cherished gift or an anniversary and involving you in that process takes a lot of trust. And, you know, despite a lot of the misconceptions about sex work, you know, many of the people who visit those locations are, you know, dealing with all kinds of horrible things, you know, loss of a loved one, a disfigurement from, you know, military service, um, trying to, to re-socialize and get back into uh, maybe the dating scene after a very long period of time. Um, you know, human contact is a need and uh, it's, a, it's a really emotionally rooted and psychologically rooted one. And I, I think those two industries kind of mirror one another in a way, you know, so that was a really helpful process. And I was able to take, you know, a lot of the, the different sales, you know, techniques and, uh, and methods of building rapport from the engagement ring industry and kind of port them over. But in addition to that, it, it was a little bit of uh, my knowledge of neurobiology. Um, believe it or not, you know, getting into a little bit of continuing education in the sciences and understanding things like mirror neurons, understanding things like uh, conversational belief change or cognitive behavioral uh, therapy. You know, these kinds of things, when you start to understand the underpinning mechanisms in psychology that drive people to certain emotional behaviors, mm -hmm. uh, it can completely change the way that you approach sales. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think getting knowledge in so many unrelated systems and then being able to synthesize them together is what gave me so much success in that uh, in that arena. I think that's a very very undervalued uh, technique. Uh, you know, people don't uh, take learning from different industries or different uh, regions, different uh, uh, cultures, uh, because uh, you know a lot of people have different way different solutions to these problems, and we can we can leverage them and mix and match and and uh, use them in other areas. Now, as you know, I, I, we have discussed this earlier, like I consider myself sales uh, handicapped a little bit uh, because I've always had I had a tough time asking for money from people. Um, so and I'm sure, you know, a lot of uh, listeners, viewers, they are intrigued uh, with, with how you train. Like, do you think you can give us a little bit of a glimpse or something sure. some of how how do you go about, you know, um, connecting with the with your prospect uh, you know building that rapport and 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 closing and taking them all the way to the close and uh, and getting the money that you need to serve them well you know it's it's about building relationships to start and honestly you know whether you have a, a you know a, a social disability or not uh, that is something that takes practice because you're not just learning how to socialize with the people that you would normally gravitate to. You know, if you're an introvert, you have the challenge of learning how to, to be able to socially bond with extroverts. If, you know, if you're not into, you know, sports or, you know, whatever someone else is interested in, you have to find different commonalities and ways to connect. Um, one of the things that I teach almost first when I start talking about negotiation is I start talking about mirror neurons. Now, if you're not familiar with this, um, neurobiological researchers have, have uh, hooked up 
you know, electroencephalograms and other types of measuring devices to a bonobo is one of our closest relatives. And when a bonobo watches another bonobo, like eat a piece of fruit, for example, the same regions of their brain will actually light up as if they themselves are eating the fruit. Mm -hmm. It's also one of the reasons that we're able to watch things like sports events or, um, you know, being able to, uh, to enjoy an emotional reaction from someone else on YouTube. And what happens is, is provided that we consider someone to be part of our peer group, and this is crucial, so you know, maybe we'll revisit that in a minute. Um, if something goes on with that person, if they experience something, if they're in an activity, if they experience an emotion, part of your brain will allow you to feel vestiges of that same emotion yourself. Mm -hmm. So being able to understand that dynamic and understanding what it takes in order to involve yourself in the peer groups of other people is necessary in order to be able to key that reaction. And uh, you know, we don't think about it, but if you think about that moment where that ray of light comes down and you're in sales and you get that great connection with somebody and then you just sell them every single thing that you need and you're asking yourself, why doesn't that happen every time? It's because you're like that person. Mm. You've connected with a person who has a similar personality type, a similar method of communication, similar expressions of body language, perhaps a similar social or moral paradigm, using similar language, similar pace, similar focus. And you're on board with whatever their emotional needs are because they're like your own. Mm -hmm. And people can sense that. You know, everything from reciprocal body language to spacing, you know, uh, for example, a person who grows up in an urban environment, um, if you're around tons of people all the time, let's say you're, you know, grow up in Tokyo, Japan, your bubble of how far away you want to be from people when uh, when you talk to them is significantly different. You know, you can even see it in small things. And some of the stuff I teach is, for example, if you go to introduce yourself to someone from a rural environment, they'll actually lean all the way over into your space to give you a handshake. They won't step into your space to do it. Whereas a person who's from, uh, you know, an area of high population density, they'll walk right up to you and go for a close handshake. And being able to notice these types of things and modify your behavior accordingly is, in essence, a building of knowledge systems. And it's an awareness of those things that allows you to get past some of the largest impediments when it comes to getting your prospect to uh, to look at you emotionally as part of their peer group. So that's step one, building rapport. And whether it's, uh, you know, 30 seconds in a fast-paced environment, or you spend, you know, an entire night going out and, you know, singing karaoke with a potential client before giving them a sales presentation, building that emotional bond and making them feel like they can relate to you as a person and that you in turn relate to them, um, it's a very significant effect. Uh, it's kind of a crude example, but I think one of the things uh, about mirror neurons that most people can connect to is if you're standing with a group of friends and something happens to one of them, for example, I don't know, someone gets, uh, gets kicked in between the legs or something like that, you'll see a physical reaction in all of the people that are in that group. And that's how strong mirror neurons are. You have the capacity to literally change the neurochemistry of the people that are around you. If you can respect that dynamic and utilize it, uh, not only will you build lasting relationships with people who will trust you and come back to you over and over again, but it will also increase your sapience when it comes to, uh, to being able to effectively use closing strategies and to know which ones to use. Mm. Um that, those are very interesting points, and uh, you know, uh, thank you so much for referring the um, the scientific uh, uh, sort of basis for that. But um, we are living in an age of uh, you know very fragmented society. Individualism is on the rise. You know, we we see it all around us. Um, so, how do you develop that kind of empathy? How do you develop uh, that kind of uh, you know uh, like? Uh, how do you notice these details? Whether somebody's leaning in or they are at a distance. Because we are so engrossed in our own world all the time uh, that, you know, um, these things get unnoticed. So 
one of the shames in my mind, you know, in like the self-help, uh, the self-help industry, for example, is that the people who go into that industry looking for things are the people who need that help so desperately that, um, you know, that's those are the people that get the exposure to it. But if you're already a semi-successful or successful person, sometimes you feel less of a need to con continue your education in that way. And uh, I think that that's a bad perspective. And uh, I think the reason is, is that as you as you start to get more of a sense of success, then in order to increase that success, you have to be able to understand your interpersonal relationships and better capitalize on them. You know, um, I can give you a couple of, of basic books that are really great to read. Uh, one of them is... Um, Understanding Body Language by Alan Peace, Alan and Barbara Peace, uh, P-E-A-S-E. -E. Uh, another one is a great book called uh, Biology, but it's B-U-Y-ology. Okay. Uh, that talks about the psychology of buying and selling. Um, for example, and this is just an abstract, but uh, this is going to give you a sense of, of how different types of academic research can help you with, uh, with your sales presentations and your process of personal development. But a lot of people aren't familiar with a guy named Edward Bernays. Uh, he's the nephew of Sigmund Freud. And um, back in, in those days, and obviously, you know, as, as modern psychology has moved forward, we've kind of moved away from some of Freud's theories. But the question that he was always asking himself is, how do I integrate those systems? How do I take a look at the at business and take a look at psychology and be able to put those two things together? And it's a little bit of an obtuse example because it involves smoking, which we don't necessarily have a positive association with now. But back in his time frame, uh, smoking was very negatively perceived by uh, by society especially with women you know that entire market was completely closed off mm -hmm. and so what he did is he would go to places like the um like like women's liberation movement marches you know freedom marches that sort of thing and he would pay women to smoke yeah. and to call them freedom torches mm -hmm. you know talking about being able to change the psychological paradigms of you know how your product is perceived how your targeted demographic is perceived and he was one of the very first you know people to do this and by many he's considered to be the the father of public relations and yet mm -hmm. you know we a lot of people don't even know his name i i think that being able to take a look at the the history of business development and entrepreneurship, the the history of uh, financial development, the history of personal development. I mean, psychology itself for a long time was considered to be a much softer science, and parts of it still are. You know, as uh, recent as 150 years ago, you know, we're, we were throwing people into sanitariums and stuff. So seeing how far you know psychology has come so far in the last uh, century. Um, almost as much as things like electronics and uh, and scientific advancements have, and so there's there's so much to learn there. Um, I think that in the modern world, the um, the focus is actually not on connecting with one another, and I think that makes it even more of a clear priority for us to to place focus on that, especially if we want to work on self development. It's uh, it's very tempting to focus on the parts of ourselves that are easiest to develop. And we, we don't like to put ourselves into challenging or uncomfortable situations, but those are the very situations that create growth. Let's take a quick break for an important message from the Bootstrapping Your Dreams community. Get the support and insights you need for your business and life. Join our community, which is fueled by the same people who advise the world's top leaders and champions. Stay ahead of the curve. Join us now by navigating to bootstrapping.group and uh, you know you, you uh, hit the nail on the head like uh, there, is, there is a lot of uh, literature out there to study and to learn from uh, but again you know I will I will uh, point out some things which I notice um, uh, in, in society these days when I talk to a lot of people uh, 
most people do not uh, read they don't want to do the work and they they want immediate gratification so how do you i mean you you you've obviously accumulated a huge body of knowledge in various topics so um what motivated you to collect all this knowledge and how do you think we can motivate other people to collect this knowledge for themselves well speaking from like the basic psychological paradigms uh people are a lot like i guess the big, uh, the best metaphor for me is uh, is a pearl you know the Pearl is this beautiful thing, and it's formed by this small bit of irritation going into that oyster. And the oyster just puts layer upon layer upon layer over it until you eventually get a pearl. Well, the human psyche is kind of the same. You know, we have a bunch of uh, beliefs that we've created from our own experiences. And one of the most interesting things when uh, that you learn when you study psychology and neurobiology is that the the mechanism of memory, the hippocampus, you know, th that entire process, we are basically stress recording machines. You know, when you have uh, those flashbulb memories where, you know, you touch a hot stove or you accidentally, you know, step into a road and you almost get hit by a car, the, the rise in cortisol, the rise in adrenaline, it triggers a change in the way that our memory works. And as a result, every mistake that we make, every bit of negativity that we endure, all of those things are recorded irrevocably in our minds. And the flip side is, is that positivity is lost. You know, we'll have a really great moment or a success or a, you know, and, and we don't take that moment to celebrate and linger in that success so that we create a more balanced view. So one, one part of that is being able to identify your own belief systems, where those beliefs are coming from. And if you want to change a, a bit of behavior, you know, um, for example, let's say you're, you're having difficulty getting motivated or you're having trouble uh, getting into education. That's usually the result of a core belief. Maybe the belief is that it's a waste of your time. Maybe maybe the belief is that it's difficult and it's above you or below you. Um, but like creating negative behaviors, creating positive behaviors, is it just starts with executing that behavior, celebrating the success, and then executing that behavior again. And it's like making your bed in the morning. Every single time that you do it, um, and you you get that pop in the in the nucleus accumbens that reward of doing it and you linger in that moment it gets easier and easier and easier we've all established the systems of behavior that we have uh, through repetition and by becoming used to those behaviors to the point that they're natural and being able to to work on self-education or self-development is literally the same if you get yourself into a routine of of doing those things, of being present in those things, it's like learning a new word every day. You know, you go to dictionary.com or something, and you know, want to send yourself into uh, paroxysms of logoria. Mm -hmm. Then, when you do that, you have to apply the knowledge. You know, you have to get the word, you have to understand it, but then you have to go out and you have to use it. And that's what's so exciting about continuing education. You know, that's how you build excitement. All right, so today I'm going to learn about, you know, uh, human interpersonal dynamics, or today I'm going to learn about the history of marketing in the 1940s, and then do something with the information, apply it, make it worthwhile, make it that you put that time investment into that, and it paid dividends to you. And if you recognize that pattern, and then you spend the time to dwell in that positivity, then you will escape that cycle that has created those negative beliefs to begin with that's great and so you know you you brought up a very important point here you know uh in introspecting your own belief systems because that's what sort of drives the whole world and um they are very hard to be, uh, they're very hard to break very hard to change unless the change comes from within uh but that's where lies the the this 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 uh enigma here that when i realized that 
okay these belief systems drive us but we fail to recognize them and that's where you know the level of self awareness comes into the picture and and we we just know that these beliefs are the absolute truth um uh, and so how do you how do you get people to recognize their own belief systems and what is happening in their mind why are they behaving the certain way how do you do all that well first you have to identify what those beliefs are um you know it's just like making a goal you know you have to know what the goal looks like you know what does success look like what are what are models of success what do they look like well it's the same thing with um with cognitive behavioral therapy being able to identify the belief systems that have manifested themselves in the things that are in your environment and you don't have to look far you know if you have a belief that you know no one is to be trusted then all you have to do is take a look at your circle of friends and the kind of relationships that you have with other people and it will serve as clear evidence of that belief mm -hmm. the key is being able to challenge those beliefs and being able to compare notes with other people um you know you said something just a little while ago where you said that it's very difficult to change that's a belief mm -hmm. it's a belief that it's difficult to change the reality is is that if you are constantly invested in your own process of engineering it's just like making your bed every single time it gets easier every single time you want to grab a new skill it gets easier every single time that you want to learn something new it gets easier until it's as natural as breathing you know i, I watch two or three college lectures a day at like 150 to 200% speed i'll watch like a 3 hour lecture in about 90 minutes mm -hmm. um if it's like astrophysics i slow it down a little bit um but it's it's really fascinating what happens to the mind whenever you get yourself invested into a process it gets easier and easier and easier until you get that thing that other people look at and they imagine you know that's got to be so difficult that's so hard and you're already past that you're on to your next challenge you're already looking at something else as hard that's already a notch on your belt so it's about building systems and becoming comfortable with them yeah no i i meant um change change uh from an external stimulus you know changing the belief based on external stimulus like especially if somebody else tells you um i find i you know i used to get into all these arguments telling people hey you know you should you should do it this way because it worked for me and and i you know i i used to be surprised why the heck they you know they they, they look down upon me for giving them something useful and then i realized you know if i preach them nobody likes preachers or or lectures uh, you really got to uh instigate that change from within themselves they need to need to see that belief for themselves and then change it yeah you have to inspire them too if you try to give someone advice and you haven't built rapport with them first then what you're really doing is challenging who they are but if you build rapport with someone first and they see you as a version of them but a more successful version then they'll be asking for that information not waiting for you to give it and it's it's about um it's about securing buy in and uh you know that's what a lot of teaching is too you know education is really about getting people interested enough in the topic so that they develop their own barefoot irreverence in that process of learning and, and wanting to deconstruct it and wanting to learn more about it when you instigate passion in another person you you light a fire and you can just step back and you can just watch it burn otherwise you're just constantly trying to fan it and it feels like you're you're playing tug of war with someone you have to help create uh that raison d'etre in them cool um now one question i want to ask is and i have seen this pattern repeated multiple times there's um this whole underdog uh, story and uh, you know uh experiencing something adverse in the initial part of your life as you did and as i did um to which which sort of triggers as you said like uh, 
it ignites that passion to change things or or do something different do you think that has something to do with uh, like do you find that pattern in other people as well like if they if they have a tough uh you know first part of their life then they go on to do some uh, it's it's so funny you talk about this. I actually just gave a talk about this. Uh, I, I talked about existential authenticity, and um, the the idea is is that the process of reinventing the self is triggered by unhappiness with the self. If if you don't put yourself into an environment where you're uncomfortable and you feel wanting, then you have no desire to change. You know, some of us. Uh, have adversity that we have to deal with, whether it's you know Aspergers or getting paid two dollars a day to do something or you know whatever, and we want to escape from that, and so we start to actively look: how do I reinvent myself? What does that look like? But it's about authenticity in that process. If a person never takes the time to reinvent themselves and they've never been their own engineer, then what's really going on is they're reacting to life. That's all they're doing. The the stimulus is going on, and they are just trying to navigate around that stimulus. Being your own engineer is about deciding, okay, what do I want to look like as a person? What kind of habits do I want to have as a person? What psychological changes do I want to have as a person? You know, I've interacted with a few people. They say I'm a bad listener. What can I do to fix that? What does that look like? What does being a good listener look like? Challenge yourself. Um, if a person doesn't go through that experience of self-challenge, there's no opportunity for growth. Yeah, that's great. And so, um, uh, now you know we are going into this unique experience of uh, it, it's a global experience where we are all sort of um, going through it together. It's it's unfortunate. It's 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 kind of scary for some people. So what are your thoughts around uh, how one should handle it? You know, what, what, like what is what is uh, an advice that you will give uh, to an average person um, to to uh, pick themselves up and and uh, and shape their life in the in the well, if all of a sudden you have a bunch of time on your hands, you know, whether it's your flight got canceled or you're on quarantine for three months, uh, decide for yourself, what is the best use of that time look like? You know, if I'm going to you know, get a knee surgery or, um, you know, I've got a back surgery and I'm going to be laid out for six months, and I'm going to be doing physical therapy. What do I want to work on? in the span of that time? What, what steps can I make toward my goals in that time? You know, so many of us lament that we don't have enough hours in the day. And then when we finally get that extra time, all we want to do is sit back on our laurels. And I think it's because we don't get as excited about the process of self-development as we might do about being able to pursue um, our, our leisure. So that's one part of it. Um, I think the other, and this is probably one of the most difficult things for people, is that when there's a medical crisis, um, you are forced to rely on information that's given to you by people who are experts in that field that you don't necessarily know a lot about yourself. And uh, it can be difficult, especially if you have to make negative changes in your life, to accept that there are changes that you need to make based on the authority of other people. Um, I've seen a lot of this, you know, people getting re resistant about the masks and all of that sort of thing. And, and really, you know, if you take the time and actually sit down to someone who knows about that topic, like really knows about it, and get direct information from them, then it no longer feels like social pressure. Then you feel informed. So 
uh, I, again, that's about authenticity. It's about trying to understand the dynamics that are going on around you. So pick something to learn. Pick a pick a new language that you want to learn. Pick a you know a, a social media network that you've never gotten exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe work on your negotiation skills. You know, get a uh, get a person who has absolutely no problem you know video conferencing with you and get comfortable making closing statements to them, talking about large dollars, talking about you know what different types of conversational belief change look like. Um, get yourself some uh, some three by five cards. Write down a whole bunch of different personalities and different sales scenarios, people that you would have difficulty connecting with. Send those to the other person and have them play that part on the video conference and get yourself comfortable. The only way that you can do it is with practice. Yeah, that that reminds me. I have to take you up on that offer of uh, doing doing this uh, ourselves. So that's how life uh, life is. You know, I I I have a resource uh, available to me, and I was I've been uh, delaying it for weeks. So. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, time never comes back. So, uh, I think we have been given the gift of uh, time. Uh, you know, in these past four months, and uh, uh, before that, everybody had this, uh, you know, uh, universal excuse: "I have no time for this." But um, the, that misconception has been broken now. Um, now, you brought up uh, another. You know, I know you are a lifelong learner. Um, what is your view on uh, how? What is the status of science and technology and mathematics? Uh, are we are we on the right path uh, in terms of uh, respecting these um, these uh, fields of study, or uh, are we actually trying to ignore them over our own own emotional uh, psychology or how we think? It's it's a good question. Um, you know, I think that as recently as maybe twenty years ago, thirty years ago. A lot of people were worried about the Orwellian model, you know, the idea that government would be, would get so large that it would start controlling us and peering into our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's ironic uh, because there's a book by uh, by Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, and he kind of talks about the opposite divergence that we would become so distracted by things that don't matter that we would no longer be invested in the things that do. Mm-hmm. And you know, from working in retail from working with people who come fresh out of the, the high school education system when I was when I was a tutor in college, you know, and you ask them a, you know, a, a basic multiplication question and the first thing they do is reach for their phone. You know, we've gotten ourselves to a point where and and one day I did a little experiment. I actually stopped people in the mall and I asked them if they knew the name of the vice president. Mm. And then I asked them if they knew the name of Kim Kardashian's baby. <laughs> and more people knew the name of Kim Kardashian's baby than knew the name of the vice president. So, you know, if if we're to the point where we've distracted ourselves with things that don't matter, um, one of the problems with the internet is that information is so there, but information isn't knowledge. You know, if if you want knowledge, you have to learn epistemologically how do I yeah. how do I separate you know information from knowledge and it 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 requires you to have a plan. You have to to decide the rubric of what that knowledge is and how it's important to you. And if you don't, you're you're just a little boat lost at sea, uh, distracted by whatever waves are in front of you. I think that's what authenticity is about. You know, in in Plato's Republic, uh, he talked about this idea in the allegory of the cave that we're we're distracted by the the shadows playing on the wall and we don't realize that we're in bondage and when we go up and we get enlightenment there's that temptation to just wander off into enlightenment but we have a duty to go back down into the cave and to try to unchain the other people and give them knowledge too mm-hmm. and i think good ideas spread you know we are probably 
far less aware of the impact that our social circles have uh, on our own personal behavior. But if you think about it, you know, if your five closest friends are soccer moms and you're trying to, you know, get into corporate acquisitions, then you might not be able to create a good psychological uh, psychological environment for your success. Mm. You know, you have to surround yourself with people who are versions of the person that you want to be. Mm. And you have to put as much investment into making those social connections as you do into any other process of self-development because at our base, we are pack animals. And being able to create a system of social accountability for ourselves that encourages us to succeed, it's as important as a healthy diet and working out every day. It's part of good mental health. Yeah. So, uh, so well said. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, that's, uh, that's all we, all the time we have. And sure. uh, I hope uh, I'll uh, get to uh, learn a lot more from you. Uh, uh, definitely in terms of uh, sales and, and human psychology, it has been a very fun conversation. Thank you so much. Of course. Now, thank you, Manish. Uh, uh, before I let you go, uh, can you uh, tell us how people can reach out to you? Uh, easiest way to reach me is actually through Facebook. It's just, it's ubiquitous. It's there. Um, you know, I do a lot of consulting work uh, privately now. The other way that you can reach me is uh, is just by my Gmail account. That's just uh, onshar.serafim at gmail.com. So A-N-S-H-A-R period S-E-R-A-P-H-I-M at gmail.com. Just send me a little introductory email. Let me know what your needs are and I'll see if I can help you. Awesome. Great. We'll put those links in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's all for now. Until next time. If you want to realize your full potential, I invite you to join our community. We support and help each other out because no one has to do it alone. Join us today by navigating to bootstrapping.group. The community is free to join. No strings attached except for one. You have to take action. So if you are an action taker, We want to talk to you. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. If you want more insightful interviews with industry leaders, then check out the other videos we have picked for you right here. And subscribe now to get our new content.